welcome back to Financial Freedom 101. My name is Robert, and this is episode 22. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you will have noticed there was a significant gap between the release of episode 20 and episode 21. While we do try to release a bi-weekly podcast, these last couple of weeks have been extremely busy for us here at Wolfpack Consulting. Aside from a technical glitch that did not release the episode when intended, we were also away on business trip to the UK where we were in the final stages of closing on one property while having just had an offer accepted on another property. All of this has allowed us to gain significant experience, data, and material to support our clients, our listeners, and our Wolfpack Academy students. In fact, while in the UK, we had actually discussed some of the topics we'll be talking about on this episode with our power team members in order to get their opinions and on-the-ground information from them. If you have any connection to the UK property market, you would have heard over the past six months about several upcoming changes to the property regulations. Many of these changes have caused a great deal of concern within the property investment sector, leading to a number of landlords selling off some or all of their properties. Although these regulations can create issues for landlords, they are not all doom and gloom, but could actually lead to opportunities. And that is exactly what this episode is all about updated regulations, and what that could mean for you as an investor. The first regulation I would like to speak about is one that was brought up back in November of 2021, and the one that we had actually spoke about on the previous podcast, the Minimum Energy Performance Certification, or EPC, rating increase. While some of this was stated back in episode 17, we will discuss it in a bit more detail here. Although, as of July 2022, the changes have not been finalized and are still only in draft form, the changes being proposed are significant. As per the legislation's current form, effective from 2025, all rental properties must have an EPC rating of C or better, up from the current rating of E. While many will see this as a good thing, as this will help with reducing carbon emissions, lowering your utility bills, and making your property more efficient, there are a number of arguments against it. One of the biggest arguments against this proposed change is the increase to a C rating is almost impossible to achieve for a large majority of the property within the UK. Studies have shown that the UK has some of the oldest residential property in Europe. Based on a 2011 housing study, over 60% of the homes in the UK were built prior to 1960, with a significant number being built in the 1920s or before. Additionally, the number of new homes being built each year has declined by almost 50% between 1960 and 2017. The reason this data is noteworthy is because it shows just how many properties lack the energy-efficient materials that are used to build new and modern homes. Yes, there are upgrades and renovations that you can do to make your home more energy-efficient, but apart from doing a back-to-brick renovation of all properties within the UK, there's only so much the inclusion of LED light bulbs, double-glazed windows, or ceiling insulation will do for a property in terms of increasing the EPC rating. This argument actually gives a perfect segue into the next argument for this regulatory change. The cost to meet these new regulations is impractical. Due to the age of most properties in the UK, if the property could be upgraded to achieve a C rating, it is likely going to cost a landlord tens of thousands of pounds to do so. 
Over the course of our investment journey, we have invested in six different properties, each having the same key EPC issue, a lack of exterior wall installation. This one issue, which has a significant effect on the EPC rating of a home, could cost you well over 10,000 pounds to rectify, but it's estimated only to save you 300 pounds per year. Likewise, adding solar panels to your home is likely to have a large impact on your EPC rating. But again, to be even remotely affected, you will need at least a 4 kilowatt system installed, which could cost you between six to 8,000 pounds, plus installation fee and labor fees. Although many would assume that you could decrease your energy bills to zero and possibly even sell back some energy to the power company, in reality, a four kilowatt system would barely save you four to 600 pounds per year, meaning it could take you over 20 years to recoup your funds. Of the six properties we have invested in, if we were to spend 20,000 pounds to make the required changes for the two of our properties, we would barely be within the C rating band. Yes, it is possible to bring all of our properties into the C rating band, but the question that you must ask yourself is, who would ultimately pay for these improvements? The mission statement for our property investment company, Wolfpack International, is to create high-quality, clean, and affordable accommodations for our tenants, while producing wealth-generating assets for us and our investors. While our first priority is to ensure our tenants are taken care of, after all, a happy tenant is a good tenant, as an investor, we need to make a return on our investment. There's no investor that will ever invest in a stock, commodity, or other investment opportunity if they know they will lose money. As such, the cost to upgrade our properties to meet these new regulations would ultimately be passed on to the tenant in the form of rent increases. Unfortunately, the increase in rent could have unintended consequences, which is actually the third argument against the proposed changes. The third argument to this regulatory change is that because the costs associated with obtaining a C rating would ultimately be passed to the tenant, this change could end up decreasing the rental housing supply while at the same time increasing the rough sleep or homelessness crisis currently facing the UK. As of 2021, the rental market makes up about 18% of the entire housing market. Although this figure has actually declined around 2% since 2017, it is still up almost 200% since 2001. Additionally, due to the pandemic, the amount of people requiring social housing or are threatened with homelessness has increased. And even though the UK has opened back up, the effects of the lockdowns combined with the ongoing crisis in the Ukraine are still being felt across the country. Thanks to the increased cost of building materials, as well as the increase in interest rates, landlords are already being forced to increase rent. As this is putting more pressure on the tenants that may already be having financial difficulties, further increases could result in rising eviction rates, greater social housing demand, or even a surge in individuals being forced into homelessness. Over the past six months, we have worked with a number of sourcing agents trying to find our next investment property. During this time, one of the trends that we have seen is that many of these agents were supporting landlords who were trying to sell off their portfolios. Although a lot of landlords were trying to capitalize on the increased property prices over the past year and a half, and others were looking at retiring, several were selling off their portfolios because of their concerns 
over the increased EPC regulations and the growing costs required to meet them. As we get closer to the new EPC regulations being passed, this trend could actually grow. The second regulatory change that is on everybody's mind is the abolishment of Section 21 or the no-fault eviction regulation. This has been a topic that has been hotly debated over the last three, four years in Parliament as Wales and Scotland have already done away with their version of this regulation. But the question is, why is this so controversial? Well, depending on what side of the aisle you are on, landlord or tenant, it will most likely dictate whether you see this as a good or bad move by Parliament. For those of you who are not aware, Section 21 provides a landlord with the ability to evict tenants quickly and regain the possession of their property. Under Section 21, landlords are only required to give their tenants a two-month notice period to vacate the property while on a periodic tenancy or following the first four months of an assured hold tenancy or AST agreement, assuming that AST is for six months. Under this regulation, landlords are not required to provide tenants with a reason for the eviction, meaning the landlord can evict for any reason they want. Landlords like this clause because they can evict trouble tenants easily and quickly without having to go down the long and expensive Section 8 route. Section 8, on the other hand, requires the landlord to prove there is grounds for eviction and is commonly associated with tenants being in at least two months of rent arrears or antisocial behavior. However, Section 8 is actually supposed to be used whenever there are legitimate grounds for evictions. In fact, there are over 17 different grounds falling into two different categories, mandatory grounds and discretionary grounds, that can be used to evict a tenant under Section 8. On the surface, and by looking at the definitions of the two different eviction methods, it's easy to argue why the abolishment of Section 21 would be a good thing. But things are not always black and white, especially when it comes to the lengthy and complicated regulations like these. Advocates of abolishing Section 21 want to do so in order to provide a better deal for renters by taking away the landlord's ability to evict without good reason. Essentially, many see Section 21 as a way for the landlord to discriminate against tenants and evict because they don't like somebody. The issue with this, however, is that there are a lot of legitimate reasons why landlords need to evict tenants that are not really covered in this current Section 8 version or is extremely difficult to do in its current form. For instance, if a landlord is selling a property and the buyer requests for a vacant possession, there is no clause under Section 8 that would allow an eviction for this instance. Likewise, if the landlord wants to use the property as their main residence, under the current law, they must prove that they had previously used this property as their main residence in the past and have included a clause in the tenancy agreement stating that the landlord may request possession of the property for their permanent residence. If either of these criteria are not met, the judge can deny the eviction. The issue you have is not all situations will allow for both criteria to be met. What if you did not intend on ever returning to the property and therefore did not include the required clause in your AST, but because of your current situation, say you were furloughed during the pandemic, it forced you to have to move back into your home? What if you inherited the property and you wanted to move into it because you don't own your own property yourself? 
Both of these scenarios are legitimate reasons for a person to want to use a property as their primary residence, but neither of them would have satisfied both required criteria. Additionally, Section 8 is a broken system. The vast majority of the reasons that individuals can evict under Section 8 fall into the discretionary grounds category. Under the current law, the landlord must show reasonableness in order for the courts to grant possession. While this may sound fair, the courts have a lot of discretion on regarding what's reasonable and what's not, with one of the main factors being taken into account is the consequence of the eviction on the particular tenant and their family, i.e., will the eviction force the family into homelessness? Other considerations that are taken into account is whether or not the breach has been remedied, if there were opportunities given to remedy the breach, and the seriousness of the breach. One of the most likely cases for a landlord to serve Section 8 is due to the tenant being greater than two months rent arrears. While this may seem like an easy thing to prove, in order to stop an eviction process, the tenant only needs to pay enough to bring their account under two months arrears. The landlord must also prove steps were taken to reach an affordable agreement to pay off the arrears. However, if this is done on a regular basis, it is harming the landlord's ability to pay their obligations, such as management fees, mortgages, home repairs, and more. And on top of all of this, if the eviction is likely to force the tenant into homelessness, the tenants are actually told by the council and charity organizations to remain in the property until forcibly removed by the courts. The reason for this is, if they willingly accept the eviction, they become homeless by choice, and the council and the charity organizations will be unable to help. This puts further financial pressure on the landlord, as a whole Section 8 eviction process can easily take six to nine months to complete. And in some cases, such as now during the pandemic, it has taken well over a year or more, meaning the landlord is receiving no rent, but is still forced to make all statutory payments during this period. Yes, the landlord should be able to recoup lost rent under their landlord's insurance, but even this is not guaranteed as they have to meet certain conditions before insurance companies will pay out. Because of these issues, is it any wonder why landlords lean heavily on Section 21 as compared to Section 8? Landlords want an easy way to regain possession of their properties without having to jump through hoops and wait upwards of a year to be granted approval by the courts. In regards to the tenant, Section 21 could actually help them as well as it won't go on their permanent record that they were evicted. However, I do agree with the argument that the ease of which landlords can evict under Section 21 does lend itself to abuse and could have a negative effect on the well-being of tenants. After all, if this wasn't happening, why would they be for abolishing Section 21 now? With all of that stated, why are we at Wolfpack not concerned or overly concerned with these proposed changes and regulations? The quick and easy answer is, because none of them have actually occurred yet, and until they do, we don't know what they will actually look like. While both of the changes have been discussed in Parliament, there are a lot of issues that must be considered and resolved before these changes can be passed. For the increase in required EPC ratings, 
there will likely be similar considerations made for the new updates as there was for the previous changes back in 2018. Factors such as the age of the property, the cost to increase the EPC rating, and whether or not the property is actually tenanted will all be taken into considerations with exceptions being made for each category. Again, just like what occurred back in 2018. Additionally, if you have read most EPC reports, a lot of the factors that negatively affect the EPC ratings are assumed and not even checked. Insulation in the walls and floorings are all assumed, yet it is likely at some point there was insulation added. Although it will cost more than a regular inspection, requesting a more thorough inspection will give you a more accurate rating calculation. It could even help give you a more accurate estimation on the cost of those changes. For the abolishment of Section 21, changes will need to be made to the current version of Section 8 in order to make it more efficient before the abolishment can take place. Exceptions will also have to be included that will allow legitimate non-punitive reasons for the landlord to either evict or gain possession of the property from the tenant, such as a vacant possession request when selling a tenanted property. These changes will also reinforce the need for landlords to ensure proper due diligence is done to all potential tenants before they issue an AST in order to try and eliminate the possibility of having to evict a problem tenant later down the line. Finally, these measures should help to push out unfit and immature landlords that are not or are barely meeting current regulations as it will be harder for them to circumvent the new regulations. Ultimately, both of these regulations have the potential to bring about investment opportunities for the serious investors to secure new investments at below market value. As current landlords sell off their portfolios, deals are out there ready to be made. While many think that these changes will hurt the property investment market, you need to look at the silver lining and be optimistic about the potential opportunities they are likely to bring. As the old saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasures. And as one landlord sells off their portfolios, it just makes opportunities for others. We have spoken many times about how property investing is not for the weak will. It is not a sprint, but a marathon that has to be ran. Property investing is for those with determination, drive, and willpower to run that marathon. These changes are nothing more than a roadblock in our pathway to financial freedom. While many will quit and be defeated by these changes, we look for ways over, around, or through them. While it may slow us down a bit, waiting for the actual regulations to be passed, it won't stop us from reaching our goal of financial freedom. What do you think of these potential changes? How are they affecting your plans? How do you think they will affect the property market as a whole in the UK? We would love to hear your opinions and get your feedback. If you have any opinions on these changes, go to our website and drop us a note or comment on this episode. If you are having a hard time seeing the silver lining with these changes and need help seeing what opportunities are out there for you, contact us as we are here to help you. I would like to thank all of you for your time and for listening to this episode. Join us again in a few weeks time as we continue to talk about the UK property market and other topics centered 
around your goal of becoming financially free. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And until next time, have a great week ahead.